Hello, everyone, and uh, Ed here. So we will start this show just in a few seconds. Uh, first, we'd like to welcome everyone back to listening to our show. We took a short break, and now we're starting our first episode of season two. And also, the topic is probably the most matching one with the, our show title called "Make and Play," because today we'll be talking about the emerging um, trending metaverse game called Sandbox, which is literally a game where you can make your own uh, world or sub game inside the world and play your game or games created by other developers. Um, so first, I would like to introduce my co-host of this show, Ed. Um, would you like to maybe give a short self-introduction? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on, Roger. Um, I'm Ed. I'm one of the founders of Squiggly School, and we're a metaverse academy. So we're landowners in the sandbox, and we're basically trying to bring as many people in to the metaverse as possible, um, whether as designers, as builders, as people who can monetize their own assets. We're here to teach as much as we can. Um, we've been using the sandbox game maker and Vox Edit asset creation tool in elementary and middle school classrooms. Um, and we've, we've, we're pretty familiar with the tools. I'm happy to talk about it. There's a ton going on. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I guess we'll start with the first section here. So first, I'll just give a very brief introduction of uh, what is Sandbox. So actually, Sandbox started as a mobile game in 2012. Uh, just as its name suggested, it's a mobile game where you can create your own version of mini games and play. So you can see the idea already started almost 10 years ago. And then later on in, I believe it's around um, 2018 at that time, um, they started developing a metaverse version of that game. And also they moved from the mobile platform to the um, desktop platform. Um, and let's see. So in terms of, you know, the um, development of the company, they got a few rounds of a big investment with uh, funds from um, companies like uh, Square Enix. So that's a big um, Japanese game company. They also have um, investment from um, SoftBank and many other big investors. And let's see um, what else I have here. So I also have um, a link in the show notes, which I'll post later. But just look at, uh, this is a fundraise campaign from the Republic, a popular um, fundraising platform. So they have this um, metaverse land portfolio which kind of shows you like where they think the most valuable uh, metaverse land will be at. So if we look at the breakdown, you can see that they've spent about 40% of their investment in um, sandbox compared to about like 20% each in like Axie Infinity and Decentraland. So obviously the real estate or like virtual real estate people think that sandbox is probably right now the um, hottest metaverse you can hop in in terms of you know investment and value wise so that's a 
brief um, introduction of uh, Sandbox. I don't know if, Ed, you have anything um, brief to add here. Yeah, the last thing I'll say is a couple numbers. Um, if you go on OpenSea and you look at top virtual worlds by volume, Decentraland is number one, and it has about twice the volume of the Sandbox, which is number two all time. Um, Decentraland has been around since 2017 and is, has been pretty much the proof of concept of like, here's what a decentralized video game looks like. But if you look at the past 30 days, the Sandbox has over four times the volume of Decentraland. Um, and the game is still in its alpha version. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the other. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's maybe talk a little bit more about the roadmap. So basically the past, current, and future of the sandbox. Um, I'm trying to find the roadmap. Yep, here it is. Um, so you can go to sandbox.game um, slash roadmap. So maybe we can have a little bit um discussion here. Um, I don't know, Ed, you want to maybe start something interesting here? Yep, definitely. So again, the company behind all of this was founded in 2011. And here's a game studio that has released a couple of really successful mobile games. Um, and we'll talk about mobile being on the roadmap for the Sandbox um, 3D version, which is pretty cool. But the thing that we're in right now is the alpha version has launched, which basically, like, if you play it, it's pretty much confined to a couple of experiences built by basically Sandbox, the arts team there, to make sure that it's high quality. They, as of today, literally as of seven hours ago, the Sandbox just released staking between Polygon and Sand. So Decentraland is run on the token called Mana. The Sandbox is run on the token called Sand. Right now, the Sandbox is using Layer 1 Ethereum. And like gas prices are ridiculous um, to do anything. And they're moving to Polygon, which is a Layer 2 um, chain. And so as of today, uh, they're starting to give rewards out to incentivize people who add to the liquidity between Polygon and Sand. So that's kind of something exciting for the early adopters, there's, you know, there's a lot to be made there if you have some liquidity. But what they're really trying to build towards is in 2022, that's next year, there's going to be a lot of super exciting stuff starting out with they're going to launch a DAO. Um, if you're familiar with the Ethereum names, name service, the ENS airdrop, basically the early adopters who bought like a you know, roger.eth ENS name they were awarded these governance tokens um, and those were worth real money. So the sandbox is going to do that basically for sand holders, for land holders, um, and people who own stuff in the sandbox universe in quarter two of next year, they're going to launch a DAO, which means people now have governance and ownership over the future of the company, which is going to be pretty cool. They're going to launch a couple of virtual concerts, which is not that new because roblox and fortnite have already done it but the most exciting thing about next year is by q4 they're going to release on mobile and this is a company that knows how to build a successful mobile franchise i'm really excited because i've played the game a decent amount and on pc it's fun but thinking about adoption 
I think the biggest thing the sandbox is going to add next year is mainstream adoption of a game because of the gameplay. Um, And then people will learn about crypto tangentially through just playing the mobile game. So I'm really excited about that. Um, The other thing worth mentioning is right now there are two components that make the sandbox really attractive as a metaverse. First one is the no-code game engine. Basically, they've built a way to create intuitive game experiences. It's pretty much hack and slash and like jump puzzle. Right now, it's limited to those, but it's cool because you can set the behavior of NPCs and you could build Minecraft type worlds at scale really quickly. That's the first thing is a no code game engine is awesome. That's why we, we went long on the sandbox early and that's why we're super bullish about it in the long term. The second is... They have what's called Vox Edit. So the Sandbox has a, a asset creation tool called Vox Edit where you can easily put together a bunch of 3D pixels and then sell them as, as NFTs. When it comes to the game maker, right now, it's all no code. So it's like drag and drop. And if you have logic, you're just going to click on some parameters you know, between multiple choice. We found that to be really... Um, enticing basically to get kids into computer science because it's pretty easy to jump into but tbd 2022 on their roadmap they're going to add a couple of things that i think are going to be just groundbreaking the first off is co-building mode in the game engine imagine like google docs right like you and a couple of friends are writing out a paper or whatever but you're building a game that's going to be huge. Um, and then also they're going to add custom scripting. So you can start adding code to the no-code engine. It's all built in Unity, but I, I love the fact that they're giving more uh, freedom and more control. So I think that's going to really increase the diversity of the types of games that we Yeah, thank you so much for all these very helpful explanation and information. Uh, just to add a little bit to the um, developer side, so reading the uh, specs requirements for like the game maker, but probably also very similar for playing a game. So right now, it looks like the minimum you need is like uh, more than uh, like maybe less than two year old uh, laptop at least. I think usually desktop is preferred. And if you're using a laptop, you definitely want to have a gaming laptop. And just from our own uh, personal experience, like opening the game maker or the game on Windows machine, we definitely found out that it's a little bit laggy if we're just using a regular, um, pretty new like Windows laptop but without a graphics card because those are like, uh, like mostly for office work, or I should say at least without a dedicated um, graphics card. So if you want to um, get into the sandbox, whether it's, you know, building a, a game or playing a game, right now the best option would probably just be getting a, a new lap, gaming laptop or using a desktop. That would be a suggestion. And now I want to maybe switch the gear a little bit. Can maybe talk a bit more about how the sandbox works right now for like um, business and also what are some of the uh, like future um, for business to like um, develop or like you know branch into the metaverse 
Um, maybe I would just throw a few topics here because I heard some really cool news, cool news like, you know, companies like I believe um, Adidas are right now just um, buying huge, like plots of land, but they haven't done anything significant yet. I also know that uh, Snoop Dogg has a pretty uh, significant presence in Sandbox, right? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Snoop Dogg is like in every venture possible. I, I don't know how he does it. He's like on three different crypto projects right now. But um, yeah, so um, sorry if there's any background noise. But basically, um, Snoop Dogg and Adidas both just partnered with the Sandbox. And um, someone just bought a property in the Snoop Dogg area for $500,000. But at the end of the day, like... Right now, the most important, if there's one takeaway you have from this episode, it's that there is a land rush right now. And I think we're probably at the tail end of it, where companies, brands, and people are starting to realize that, wait a minute, this virtual real estate might be valuable one day. Let's get in early. Now the next rush is going to be, what do we put on that land? I can guarantee you that Adidas does not have employees who know how to use Vox at it or the game maker to create experiences that represent their brand. Neither does Snoop Dogg. And so the big takeaway is there's a lot of people buying land, but the analogy is this, like if you were to actually play Decentraland right now and you were to walk around this metaverse, the vast majority of it is empty land. Like people are not making use of their land because there is a shortage of people who know how to build games and virtual experiences that represent brands. And so, I mean, this is something that we're trying to solve is just the labor shortage when it comes to people who know how to populate these plots of virtual land. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people moving into it. And I think there's so much hype around the land that there's not enough discussion about like, okay, like what do we actually do now that we are? Yeah, thank you. That's a very good point. Uh, just to add a little bit to this topic, uh, yeah, I read the news that Nike, they just bought uh, kind of like a 3D design studio that uh, specializes in designing like NFT um, like sneakers, which are basically like virtual sneakers. And I know that studio, the founder said they were actually originally um, inspired by Nike to, you know, start basically a sneaker giant inside a metaverse um, for you know all kinds of platforms so um here we can definitely see like even for like big companies like uh, nike they're definitely also um trying to enter the metaverse i believe they have some presence in decentraland maybe and even they don't have the at this moment the right you know like expertise to do all these like metaverse development so they need to you know, get more talents through this um, acquisition of the studio, which was actually originally uh, inspired by them. Yeah, so that's a very interesting world we're living right now. Um, so that actually brings us to the last question here. And after this one, we can take a few questions from the audience. If they have any questions, feel free just to use the um, calling queue to raise any questions. So if um, someone is right now completely new to metaverse and let's say they are not planning to like you know, spend crazy amount of money to actually do any investment, 
but they want to maybe be a developer for a certain um, platform. What are some of the like universal skills thing they can pick up to help them, you know, transition to this role? Yeah, that's that's an awesome last question. The way I think about it is the past decade, every single brand, Nike, Adidas, Google, Facebook, every single company hired a lot of 2D designers and engineers because they created two-dimensional storefronts. They created two-dimensional websites to represent their brands. And the biggest thing right now is that we're going through a transition where the internet of the future is going to be three-dimensional. And so the skills naturally are how do we design, how do we build, and how do we develop in three dimensions? And so that's going to, you know, from a very practical perspective, Blender is how we create 3D objects for free, pretty much. Um, ton of YouTube tutorials out there. Um, basically, right now, I think the way I think about it is like there's so much excitement around augmented reality fashion. Roger, like you talked about, the artifact acquisition that happened two days ago. And at the end of the day, it's any skill that we can develop right now that'll allow us to design and build in three dimensions. Um, because truly, I mean, I think that the internet that's being built on Web3 um, is going to be one that's more interactive, more fun, and more exciting to, you know, buy a new pair of Nike shoes by walking up to a virtual storefront um, and just clicking on it through that game, which will then link you to a website where you can buy them, um, you buy the physical shoes. So I think 3D skills are going to be, they already are, there's just, there's like a big shortage right now. Um, of designers for voxel art in the sandbox specifically, like 3D pixels. Um, but then when you go to um, animation and design and creation, those are the first things that I think of. There's a ton more. Um, and I'm sure if, if, if y'all in the audience have any ideas, I'd love to hear those as well. But that's. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I guess we'll just take a question. Hey, Ed. Um, hey, Roger. Uh, yeah, Ed, I've been kind of following your progress with Sandbox and, you know, want to invest. Um, well, not with uh, not with Sandbox, but with Squiggly and, like, all the stuff you've been doing with Sandbox. What I'm curious about is, um, you know, I've been in the crypto and NFT space for uh, a while now, and I'm seeing it as really as a place where investors congregate, right? You're in the space because you want to make money. You want to you want to shill the things you build. Uh, and so on and so forth. And obviously you're coming in with Squiggly as uh, making it like the metaverse, making NFTs, making the Web3 the place for builders and really moving away from that investor mindset. How do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, like how we move away from like a cash grab to long-term just building cool stuff and sharing it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, dude. Um, it, I mean, we're trying, like, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Roger, do you have any? Um, yeah, I think the key here is you need to have a um, community rather than just, you know, some 
short-term like interaction with people because um, I think Sandbox, um, we don't know if there will still be the leading platform like in two years. That's really hard to um, predict because, you know, like even we saw those big like um, crypto or like VR, AR trends, they usually like come and go every like two or three years. So yeah, you can't really just like rely on one single platform or one single um, trend to, you know, succeed as a um, company or group. But I think if you just have this um, group of uh, like real human beings that centers around you, then feel like you have a bigger chance to succeed even when you are like have to, you know, switch platforms um, every two or three years. So that's just my personal take here. So yeah, maybe um, in like three years, we have another thing coming up. But if we just have the people around in like, a, let's say a Discord server, then I think it will be pretty easy to just um, switch and start something new. Right, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, like the, the way I'm thinking about this is like, you've already got crypto NFT communities like like Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, uh, you know, like CryptoPunks, et cetera, that have their own dedicated discords, right? That's really where the, the Web3 space is, is living. Uh, and obviously, they've got some really, really cool communities, Constitution DAO, et cetera. But I'm thinking, like, the way I still think about it is, like, this is a space for people with money or people who want to make money to get together and do cool stuff with money. Yeah, I think... I don't know, maybe someone can build this, but that would be so cool if there's not only an educational platform of like, hey, here's actually how to build, how to sell things to people with more money than they know what to do with. But also if there's like liquidity providers, you know what I mean? Like if you need some X token in order to confirm a transaction, right? Like you need, for example, sand in order to sell an NFT on the sandbox, not only if that education company taught them how to do that, but maybe gave them like a short-term loan or provided the liquidity, I'm all for it. I think that it absolutely right now, the state of, I think, Web3 that I've seen, and and some of you've probably seen this too, is that like the wealth is just going to the existing like multimillionaires and whale investors and and VCs. And it's like, okay, let's bring in the normal people. I think I think there's huge opportunity there. I think you can start a movement around it. Awesome. Yeah. So I think we'll probably just hang out here for another one or two minutes in case uh, there are more questions from the audience. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah. Thank you so much to everyone uh, who listened to this um, episode. And we're definitely going to uh, release more episodes in the near near future, uh, not just some games and Web3, but also other many um, interest topics. Um, I did a series last year on some of the, um, just this past year on some of the popular um, Chinese mobile apps. I would love to do something similar again, maybe on like the crypto world of China. Since now they were used to be really big, probably even bigger than US, but now, you know, since the band, they've been kind of going on the ground, but it would be interesting to dig a little bit more into those um, huge, like, Chinese companies or companies that are started by Chinese people, but are now uh, international. Um, so definitely more interesting um, content to come up in the near future. 
And uh, thanks again for listening. We'll definitely list all the links and news we mentioned in the show notes when we publish this episode later. Yeah, thank you, Ed, and thank you, the audience, for listening. Hope you guys have a good day.